You're listening to a real piece of work. (laughs) I probably shouldn't say it that way. You're listening to a real piece of work, a jobs podcast for aspiring professionals brought to you by WVIK, Quad Cities NPR, and Junior Achievement of the Heartland. Now here's your hosts, Matt and Joy. Hey, Matt. <laughs> hey, Joy. How are you doing today? I am fabulous. I'm actually pretty excited today. I, not that I'm not excited for most podcast recordings, but this one's pretty pretty exciting for me because Michaela Booth, who is our guest today with Birdies for Charity, was one of the first people that I met with upon my uh, joining Junior Achievement. And so since the beginning, I've just loved her story and what she has to tell and have been excited to get her um, here with us today. So um, without further ado, Michaela, thank you for joining us on A Real Piece of Work, a job podcast for young people. Thanks for having me, Matt and Joy. I really am excited about being here. It's my first podcast. <laughs> hey, you know, one of my things is, when was the last time you did something for the first time? So this is exciting. <laughs> We're going to cross this off your list. <laughs> this is it. Yeah, this is my answer. <laughs> and this is this is my first year of actually being connected with Birdies for Charity. I've heard about it um, for several, several years, but never been involved with it or knew kind of the mechanics behind it. So Maybe just start off a little bit by telling us uh, what Birdies for Charity is, what it does within the community, and then we'll we'll roll from there. Sure. So Birdies for Charity is a part of the John Deere Classic. And the John Deere Classic, we're a 501c3 organization. Our mission is to improve the quality of life in the Quad Cities, um, promote volunteerism, provide a positive economic impact, and provide growing annual contributions to charity. And that's where Birdies for Charity comes in because most of that happens through this fundraising vehicle, which gives charities like uh, Junior Achievement, for instance, the opportunity to generate pledges and donations by using the momentum and excitement leading up to the tournament while we handle all of the administrative work, um, while guaranteeing a 5% bonus on everything that's raised through the program and providing some donor incentives as well. And how long has Birdies for Charity been going on? How many years? So Birdies for Charity started um, here for the first time in 1993. And on that note, so I just have to, I have to hear Matt's story about his connection going back um, to the 90s and how, because I know he has a connection with Birdies for Charity and I was so excited to ask him about it. I'm excited yeah, to hear this story as well. The, this, yeah, this, <laughs> I've heard some rumors of a picture. <laughs> this is, goes back to what it was, it was almost like two truths and a lie. And uh, I usually bring up the fact that I was connected with the PGA golf event as a mascot. And people always think it's a lie. But the reality was for two, three years, I was the birdie that would be out at the children's clinic trying to entertain some kids as they were waiting for some professional PGA pro to teach them how to play golf, you know, swing a golf club. And I did that for a few summers. I do some cameos, go to some, you know, a press press announcement about somebody winning some money or winning a car. And after a couple of summers, there are a gentleman by the name of Steve Jacobs that used to be affiliated with Birdies for Charity. And Steve said, Hey, would you be willing to go to university of Nebraska to mascot training school? And I said at that point, I go, again, this is just a volunteer gig. I said, uh, I think you might want to find somebody that's a little more passion and ability for that matter to be a, a qualified 
you know, mascot for the PGA Tour. So I, I tapped out at that point. <laughs> you didn't want to make that your career, Matt? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have those dance moves. Oh. No, I wasn't good enough. So. But it was really neat, no joke, really neat to be behind the scenes a little bit and seeing the impact that Birdies for Charity had on so many different charities. So it's pretty neat to have that full circle today to a certain extent. Yeah. And that's one of the things I love about um, just the John Deere Classic and Birdies for Charity is how many people are connected to it in the community in some way or other. You can be talking to someone that you just met like I did with Matt a few weeks ago and learn that he was actually in the bird costume however many years ago, or they were an organization that's benefited or they volunteer or they donate. There's so many people that are connected and I just love getting to know those people. So where I, what I really want to, I guess, where I want to go with this now, Michaela, is when we met, your story to me was one that I really want kids to hear about because so often we get in this um, this lane where it's, I want to do this. This is what I want to do. I love ABC, XYZ golf. But for you, it's you get a little bit of everything in your job. And you told me a little bit, bit about that. So maybe share with the kids your journey, your how you got to the position you're in now, what you're doing and, and what that entailed to get to where you're at right now. Sure. So this was not um, my plan. <laughs> I didn't have this, you know, honed in when I was in high school. So I back in high school, I think in growing up, I remember really being interested in healthcare in some form or the other, which makes me laugh now if you just know how anxious that I get in doctor's offices and how <laughs> I can just not handle the sight of blood or anything like that. So the fact that that was where I thought I would be um, doesn't make much sense to me now. <laughs> and then I supported myself through school and paid my way through college. So that had a big impact on my decisions. Um, so I started at Black Hawk Community College for what was going to be two years. And I worked full time in retail during that entire time, which was a big undertaking. Um, it was it was really stressful and it turned into uh, me being there a little bit longer than I had actually anticipated. So they have a great partnership with Western Illinois University and there are several programs where they have, um, it makes it very easy for you to transfer to Blackhawk straight over to Western. Um, and some of those were accelerated programs, which I was really interested in, being that I had taken a little bit more time than I had planned on at Blackhawk. So I was going through the list and I picked Recreation Parks and Tourism Administration, which I don't think at the time I fully knew all that it encompassed. I know that was like the number one thing my dad kept asking me is like, what is that? What does that mean? <laughs> what could you do? And I was like, you could do so many things. Like, I, I can't really like sum this up for you because it is so broad of a department. So I did an accelerated program there um, in RPTA, which I loved. And it really is so broad. It can be anywhere from, you know, working with the park service, nonprofits, um, things like therapeutic recreation, programming, all of those things are, you know, wrapped up in that. They have a mentorship program, um, or well, they did. I'm, I hope that they still do because it is really what jump-started my career is they matched me with someone in the field kind of where I had identified, you know, this is where I'm thinking about. I was leaning towards the events management and events side of things. And they paired me with Catherine Rogers Ingalls, who was at the time the executive director of the downtown Rock Island Arts and Entertainment District, which was better known just as short as the district. And they were responsible for 
you know, revitalizing and marketing the downtown area. And they put on festivals like Gumbo Yaya and Make It My Weekend, which were uh, big names for me. Those were events that I grew up going to. And I was excited to be able to be involved in those while they were still happening. So I was paired with Catherine and she had such an impact on my career. I learned so much from her. That ultimately led to an internship there at the district. And then fortunately, as um, the summer came to an end, I was offered a full-time position there as well. Um, A couple of years, maybe not a full couple of years, but Catherine retired um, after a very successful many years doing those events in downtown. And I was promoted to executive executive director of the district. So that was a big jump, um, just a couple of years out of college. And as I as I went through the next several months, I kind of saw that it was not shifting completely away from events, but there was a lot more like business attraction and business centered things that were happening with this position that they wanted it to go towards. And I kind of had to take a step back and a look inward and realize, you know, is this really where my strengths are? Do I have any um you know, do I have the background for this? Is this where I want to be going, you know, long term? And it was a really difficult decision to make because just a couple of years out of college, having a title as executive director, it's really hard to walk away from that. Um, But I was really proud of myself for making that decision because ultimately it's why I am where I am now. And I feel like this is such a great fit. Not that that wasn't a great fit. I just knew that there might be someone better for that than, uh, than I was. So from there, I went to TPC Deer Run, which is the host course of the John Deere Classic. And a mentor of the time told me, you know, while it wasn't completely, you know, part of the John Deere Classic that I was going to help with, she reminded me how close I would be to that big event that was happening in our in our community. And ultimately, that worked in my favor because about a year after um, a position became available at the John Deere Classic and I applied and um fortunately was offered a position here as office administrator. That position really gave me the opportunity to learn so much about our business because you're kind of you kind of the first stop when people walk into the office, you're answering the phones and you kind of have a hand um, helping with so many different things that you get the opportunity to learn so many different parts of the business and what you might be interested, you know, working towards long term. And I found that, you know, my niche to be the charity side with Birdies for Charity. That's a awesome description, download of the path where you're at today. I'm just kind of curious today for our listeners, what, what's a day in the life for Michaela look like now? Yeah, so I, I was kind of anticipating this question. And this is one, um, this is one of the things that I love about nonprofit work that I've, I've realized so far is that no day looks the same. So and that's what I like. I, I don't like to come in and have, you know, you know, have a routine and a schedule that like every day is going to look the same. But today being about less than 30 days, maybe 30 days away from the John Deere Classic, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's pretty busy around here. So my day looks like the first thing I do when I come in is I check the mail and I go through the mail because right now the the Postal Service is handing us, you know, armfuls of donations that are coming in. Um, And it's just kind of getting our bearings for the day, like what we need to get caught up on. Um, Checking emails. Right now we have large donations coming in. We work with quite a few large charities that send their donations directly to us. So there's a lot of correspondence and working directly with 
uh, the charity contacts as well, following up with the donors. Today, for instance, we had a staff meeting. So once a week, all of the crew at the John Deere Classic, which is about seven of us full time, um, sit down together and kind of just debrief. And, you know, there's so much going on and things move so quickly. It's nice to sit down and figure out what everyone else is working on. What can you help with? What people have coming up? Just so everyone out in the office is aware. That sounds like a full, full day, a full week. <laughs> it is. It is full. And then checking emails when you can, and that becomes a whole day by itself. <laughs> when I get goosebumps when you talk about the the mail coming in, because that's truly, it's it shows all of what you're doing every day. And it's, it's like coming to life, I feel like a little bit, right? It is. It is. It's fun to see that like physical representation of it. A lot of it does happen online too. Um, so our emails are dinging and you just know that those are all donations coming in. So, Well, since we're talking to kids here on our podcast, we have a student question here from somewhere in the area. I believe it was Davenport. Grace from Davenport has a question for you. Hi, Michaela. My name is Grace and I'm a freshman at Davenport West High School in Davenport, Iowa. My question for you is what skill do you feel is the most important in your job? So well, Grace is wondering the most important skills you needed for your job. Yes, I love that question. Thank you, Grace. Um, I would say there's two really big ones. And so I would say that skill is balancing the both of them. It's You have to be extremely organized. There is so much information and data coming into our office trying to keep straight because when you have almost 500 charities that participate in our program and close to 15,000 donors, you have a responsibility to make sure that what you're putting out is accurate and, you know, making sure and spending that time and being so detail oriented. But on the flip side, this job also is about building relationships. So those can sometimes be two different things. So I think the skill of being able to balance though that growing and building relationships while also making sure that you're keeping all of those details straight, um, that would be the biggest skill, I think. Is there anything that you don't like about your job, Michaela? Oh. <laughs> I mean, well, it's just, and I'm just saying that because, you know, <clears throat> sometimes myself included, getting these jobs and you do love 90 some percent up there most of the time, but there's always those small things. So it's important for kids to realize that there are going to maybe be days or weeks where you're not 100 percent there. So for you, what what are those things that, you know, if you could get rid of them, maybe you'd get rid of those things? <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's a, I mean, there definitely are, you know, there are things that I love what I do, but some days, you know, it's just like, ugh, <laughs> it's hard to pinpoint one right off the bat, but maybe you just like everything you do. That's good. Too. That's actually, yeah, I would say it's more so like <laughs> things that don't really happen. It's like the fresh, like, I really don't enjoy physically opening the mail. <laughs> There's like, with the amount of, and this sounds so silly, I'm sure there's like bigger, more, <laughs> but I'm just on a roll talking about how much I love it, that there's just like, my office is like always completely covered in dust and little bits of paper. And <laughs> so that's one of the things, like there are just things like that, that just can become frustrating. But really when it comes down to it, um, the things that make it worthwhile, make those seem like I can't, like, I can't even come up with something right now because Yes, I'm not saying that there aren't days that are frustrating or things that I don't like that happen, but it's the things that, you know, being able to announce our charity number at the end of the year, getting to see all the volunteers at the John Deere Classic, those things kind of 
uh, you know, they they are what are in your mind when people ask this question. So it's hard to come up with things that you don't like, even though that they do exist. You're completely right. That's a great perspective. No, I love that. So, Michaela, I'm kind of curious. And you're talking about your office. Are you always in your office or do you get a little variety now and then? What are, what are some of the main, and if that variety permits you to get out a little bit, where do you go? What are, what are some places you get to check out? Sure. So during our busiest time in the summer, I do spend a good chunk of my time just up there in my office. <laughs> and that varies for everyone here in our office. Um, as some people get closer to the tournament, they spend very little time in their office and they're always out on course and things like that. I get to spend most of my time out during our downtime and in the winter. And this year, um, because this is my first year as executive, or I'm sorry, director of Birdies for Charity. And I had really spent the last two years learning all of the charity side and corresponding and learning, you know, the processes and things like that. But especially with the pandemic and being new, what I didn't get to do was build relationships with the charities that participate. So that's what I spent a lot of my winter doing is um, going out, getting to know our charity contacts. Um, Joy was one of the first people that I sat down with too. I know she mentioned that earlier. Her conversation, it led me to, I was able to use my lunch hours some days this spring and actually volunteered for Junior Achievement, which I loved. It was my first time doing, um, and I'll definitely be doing it again. That was really rewarding. So yeah, there's definitely some perks and and ways that you can get out of the office. Um, As you get closer to a tournament, yeah, you do spend a lot of time there, though. (laughs) How much do you get to play golf is what I want to know. Okay, so this is... (laughs) This is the... I mean, the kids are going to want to know that too. If they, Is that one of the perks? Do you get to play a little bit of golf when it's uh, all said? No. Like so to, on the job, uh, I've played zero rounds of golf. And <laughs> part of that might have been very strategic by me because I am not a golfer by any means, which is something else that I wanted to kind of highlight that, you know, here I am working for the John Deere Classic, a PGA Tour golf tournament, and I did not know... I didn't know how to golf. I didn't know much about golf. Not saying that it's not important because that's our whole business, right? I mean... They're coming, the pros are coming here to play and we're using that as, you know, a vehicle to raise all of these dollars for charity, but you don't, it is not a prerequisite to know how, because I certainly didn't. I'm actually in the middle of golf lessons. <laughs> um, I'm, I actually have my third out of I had four lessons is tonight. So maybe next time we talk, that answer will be different. <laughs> Nobody's asking me to be on there for some right now. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. So Michaela, yeah. I, I actually, I've got a couple, a couple individuals here that are part of this podcast today. Like you're both in the not-for-profit space. Um, is there, I, I don't know if there's a perception with our audience or not, but I, I'm going to ask a kind of a loaded, broad question. Can I make can I make a decent living doing what you do? I think you can. I think you can. Um, I kind of looked up at like the the average or I just looked on Indeed this morning, for instance, and I saw two uh, director positions in our area of at nonprofits, not necessarily executive directors, but directors of um, of some sort at nonprofits that were in the range of anywhere between 55 and 80,000. And what I would say to that is that um, there are also 
something that I didn't quite know when I was first getting started was there was more to look at than just the salary. Um, there are other benefits that definitely tie into like, you know, having that work-life balance and making sure that you're taken care of outside of work, like benefits and things like that. So I would say, um, you know, kind of look at that as a whole, um, something I didn't quite understand to do when I was first getting started. So. And students just, Rough numbers, that's anywhere from $25 to $40 an hour for what you just said. <laughs> so just put that in perspective as you're, you're hearing what Michaela's downloading. Uh, yeah. So I appreciate that because not-for-profit, somebody may assume that like, oof, maybe I'm not going to make as much money, but clearly you can. Yeah, and it depends. I mean, it really depends. There, I mean, saying nonprofit, that's so broad as well. I mean, it can be a nonprofit. Of, there are so many different sizes, how you know established they are, whether they're just getting started or whether it's an organization that's been around for a hundred some years. So it really varies um, depending on you know where you're going. You had mentioned earlier um, someone by the name of Catherine, and I didn't catch her last name, but uh, the person that kind of led you to your internship and that job. So I'm assuming that that's a, a mentor, someone that got you to where you're at. Do you have any other mentors or people that you kind of were drawn to that helped you uh, along your journey to where you're at? Yes. So um, I think my grandparents were my first, and they were like my built-in mentors. They're definitely who I learned my work ethic from, which I'll always be thankful to them for that because- that's something that's that's gotten me um, very far, especially my grandma. I was very, very close with her. And I think that relationship with her drew me to strong female leaders um, specifically and just wanting to gain as much as I could, as much knowledge. And so that happened at the district with Catherine uh, Rogers Ingalls was her last name. And then it also happened here at the John Deere Classic with um, Christy Ketchum Jackson, who was the director of Birdies for Charity. Uh, for 19 years before she retired last October. And even before I kind of, um, you know, decided that the charity route was the where I wanted to go in this organization, she really took me under her wing and was a person who she really cared about developing others, um, which I think is so important. And, you know, how can I help this person, you know, get to where I am or or how can I help them along? She really did that. And ultimately, it, it just turned out to be really great mentorship and friendship with her as well. I love those stories. Love those. Outside of a mentor-protege type relationship in your space, is there, I'm going to say a professional association, so to speak, that for continuing education about what your day-to-day practice is? Yeah. So there's actually an organization called the Association of Fundraising Professionals or AFP. We have a Quad Cities chapter here um, and they do a great job at providing like monthly lunch and learns um, and then other longer uh, programs periodically throughout the year. There's also a national chapter where you can go to events in bigger cities, Um, but that's definitely something that you can get involved with. I know that they have um, student uh, rates, I believe, for their memberships that are lower. So if there is someone who might be, you know, just starting out in college or or looking um, to go into the nonprofit field, it might be something to look into even in your, your college years. I'm so glad you mentioned that. I just found out about them recently and have had the opportunity to meet for some of those lunch and learns. So that's great to point that out there. Yeah. And they're so valuable even for, you know, uh, folks, I see folks that go that, you know, they've been in their positions for for several years and they're still 
they're still getting back out of it. And sometimes they're the ones presenting. So we have a really good nonprofit community in the Quad Cities where people want to, to share their knowledge and help everyone be. Um, it's not really a competition. It's like, how can I help you grow? Um, and how can we help each other, which I think is really fantastic. You hit the nail on the head with that one. That's mm -hmm. for sure. They do. They want to help. Everyone wants to help. It's awesome. Joy, anything else on your plate here? I was thinking that maybe wrap up with your final questions. I always love the okay. final. So Michaela, Here we go, again, Michaela. Nothing, nothing really that difficult, but this is one we normally wrap up with. Looking back at a 16-year-old Michaela, what would you say to keep doing, stop doing, and continue doing? Okay. I would say stop second-guessing yourself. Continue being confident and start having a learning mindset. So I, I think one of the biggest realizations for me, I, as a kid and growing up, I, I was always called the shy girl. And I think, I think I kind of thought that confidence wasn't something that you could learn or like you either had it or you didn't, right? You were born with it or you, and I just, I just didn't feel like I had it. I was always self-conscious and I, and people described me as shy, which is not a bad thing to be. Um, I'll just start by saying that. And I, <laughs> I think I realized that that's not something you can definitely grow your confidence. It's almost like a skill. It's, it's a, a trait that you can grow and you can continue to work on and you'll continue to work on it for years and years and years. I used to look at people and they're like, oh, they just have it and they don't worry about it anymore. Well, that's not true. <laughs> You'll continue to work on that for, for a long time. Well, I, I love the answer. Um, I love the fact that you're participating. I love the fact that you're one of our JA classroom volunteers. And I love the fact that Birdies of Charity does so much great things. So it has been doing so many great things for the Quad Cities for decades. And so it's been a pleasure having you on a real piece of work, which you are. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, I'm Michaela. Sure yes. Yeah. Thank you for all that you do for the community, for junior achievement, and honestly, for the kids who are listening into this, truly an inspiration and someone that I hope that they continue to take your advice uh, as they go on their career journey. Well, thank you so both thank you. so much for having me, asking some really great questions. And I just love, um, I love junior achievement and its mission and what it's doing for kids in our community. So keep it up. <laughs> so Matt, I uh, I love the tie to Birdies for Charity. <laughs> and that, there's always some connection with you and everyone. I feel like, but this is truly a like standout standout one. So yeah, I'm curious your thoughts uh, of our discussion with Michaela and maybe one of your biggest takeaways. Um, I, I'll just say uh, the the commitment that she personally made to continue her education, uh, supporting that on her own. Um, going the extra mile to um, make sure that she finished and got a degree and found something that she would ultimately think she would have a passion for, even though, again, like many of our guests, she didn't necessarily know what was on, on the horizon professionally, but she found a path in terms of a education that allowed her to at least get out there, find something to get her feet wet. And eventually it's transi transitioned into something that is absolutely, um, you know, fueling her every day to wake up and do something great for the community. So pretty cool to hear. How about it you? It's so spot on. I think the more that we, the more that we do these, the more people we listen to, the more I wish that I had this to listen to 
back when I was 16, 17, 18, right? Because it's it's all of this advice that they're giving that it's even now that I'm taking bits and pieces of it for, for myself too. And so I think um, she talked about being organized in relationships and it's not mm. just that job, it's every job. I think it carries through. So that was one of the things um, I think that really stuck with me for her too. And just sticking with it, not giving up on yourself. And it's the confidence piece. And she said it straight in straight at the end uh, about the confidence piece. So yeah. And I, if I were, I wanted to follow up with a, a question related to that and I'll just say it. It's like people that do public speaking in some regards, she probably has to do a lot of that practice and with practice and repetition, things do get more comfortable, which can instill confidence. So um, if you're out there listening to this and you're, you're not sure that you're the person that ought to be up on stage, practice. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Can't wait to do this again. Thanks, Matt.